everyone doing? Good, man. Y'all excited to be here? Right? Man, it's so good to see y'all this morning. I've been so excited for this week. Um, my name's Pastor Buck Benton. I get to serve you as the campus pastor here. Uh, I'm very humbled, honored, and thankful that I get to do that. And y'all, man, I've been geared up for the day all week. Like, Sunday's finally here. All right? And I'm excited about the word God's given me to give you. And uh, I'm just fired up, and I hope you are too. Uh, but before we get going... We love to celebrate here, right? Like, who doesn't like to celebrate? And so our mission statement is connecting people to a growing relationship with Christ. So we celebrate like crazy when that happens. And so uh, I haven't really gotten over um, our Connection student launch on Wednesday. I actually got my first shirt. Um, they're awesome, all right? And we believe Wednesday is the best night of the week. And our very first Wednesday night, we had 29 students, and we had two students want to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. So we just say thank you to God. Yeah, I, I'm super geared up for that, and I believe that we're just seeing the first of what God's going to do with our youth here in Dublin, all right? Um, AJ, Thomas, and Brittany, they do a phenomenal job. If you know any students, Wednesday is where they need to be, I'm telling you, all right? The second thing is this. Uh, if you haven't signed up for Focus, man, go do it. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. All of our worship leaders at all of our campus are going to lead us in worship. We're going to eat food. You're going to get to meet some of the campus pastors. I believe it'll be an awesome time, and so I'm excited about that. Um, I believe it's going to be great. So if you have your Bibles, will you go ahead and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1? We're going to be here for a split second. It's not going to be on the screen. Uh, but I really want to introduce this series that we're going to call Bigger Than Me. Okay? Bigger Than Me. And uh, I've been excited about this one for a while because it's all about the church. Okay? And really defining what the Bible says God wanted his church to be. And I really want to share my heart with you is that over the next five weeks, I really want to shape your view of the church and really shape it to be what God intended and maybe not what our culture has defined it, all right? And so we're going to be talking all about the church. And so I want to read out of Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read three verses and, and really just give you what we're going to build out really in the next five weeks and who we have to be and must be at Connection Church to be the church God wants us to be, all right? So let's read. This section of scripture is called The Supremacy of the Son of God. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, all right? The Son being Jesus, okay? The name we sing about, the name we praise about, the name we've been um, lifting high since we got here. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him, hear that again, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Now hear this, verse 18. Remember, we're talking about the church. It says, and he, not us, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn, right? From the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. And basically, what that's saying is this, and I want you guys to really think about it, okay? The sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, the universe. If you haven't looked any of that stuff up, like go check out some science... We are very, very small in comparison to this universe we live in, not to mention uh, heaven, right? And so of all the things God created, it says all things were created by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus, okay? Of all the things in the universe, he picked out this small selective group of people, the people here on earth that would come to know Jesus, and he said, this is my church, okay? He says, of all the things I created and all the galaxies in the universes, these are my prized possession. These are my people. I love these people so much, 
I gave, I gave myself for them. I hung on a cross and I bore their shame so that they would come to know me. All right? And so many times, if we're being honest, our church culture, we make church about us, right? Church is what we want it to be. But see, rather, once we understand who God is and how big Jesus is, we can't help but understand that we're his church, all right? That the church is not about us. We, we see this, is that the church is not about us. See, it's always been about him. Hear that again. The church is not about us. It's always been about him. And so uh, this fundamental question is where are things build out, okay? What we're really going to build out in the next five weeks, okay? The question is not what the church can do for me, okay? Hear that again. We don't come into church, uh, what can the church do for me? But rather, once we understand who Jesus Christ is, what can we as the church do for him? Hear that again. If he's the, the, the father, the firstborn above all things, it flips on its head and we say, this God of the universe, what are we as the church supposed to do for you? Okay, would you guys pray with me for this sermon today? Father, thank you for these men and women. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to preach the word of God. Lord, I'm so unqualified, Lord, but Father, the Holy Spirit in me has equipped me and we're ready to go, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me, God, any kind of distraction, selfishness, anything that would keep me from sharing what you want me to say. God, I just pray that you would remove it. Lord, I pray that your word would fall on fertile soil, Lord, that maybe some of us walked in here uh, not really knowing what to expect. God, I pray that we would have an encounter with you, Lord. Come speak through us and to us, Lord. We love you. In thy name, amen. Amen. All right, cool. So if you guys will, go ahead and turn uh, to Luke chapter 11, verse 37 through 46. This is where we're going to be for the rest of the day. Um, I, say, I completely told you a story. We'll flip around a little bit, but this will be our primary text, okay? And so while you're turning there, I want to share a, a couple of funny stories or, or stories that really got me thinking about this sermon. Um, me and Billy Shiver, a campus pastor in Vidalia, every Tuesday we drive to Statesboro. We, we meet as all campus pastors and we get ready to prepare sermons and we meet with all the different departments and we get everything ready for the coming week. Well, if you're like me and you're driving in your truck, what does it mean when your gas light comes on? Anybody know? Like for me, that means I got 30 miles, right? Is anybody pushing it to the limit, right? Like that's immediately what I think is, all right, now I got 20 miles, you know? So Billy's truck... It's a weird truck, man. His truck doesn't think that way because that rascal, when that light comes on, you better be heading to some gas. And I mean quick, all right? And so we're riding the States for one day, and all of a sudden, like, he's tapping that brake, and that rascal's slowing down. And I'm like, oh, boy, this isn't good. And so um, we have to pull over on the side of the road, and Billy's a bigger guy. And anyway, and, and I'm not a bigger guy, but anyway, we're, we have to get out, and literally we have to walk half a mile, all dressed for work, and we go into probably the scariest gas station I've ever been to in my life, right? I mean, they're looking at us like, man, y'all ain't from around here, are you? And we're like, man, we, we just need some gas. But anyway, once we got that half a ga gallon of gas, we were too scared to ask anybody to drive us back. So we, um, we actually walked back. And so, But once we put fuel into that truck, all right, guess what happened? That truck cranked up, and we got to moving forward, right? And so I thought about that and thought about, fuel. And, and a second instance is this week we cooked some hamburgers for, um, for our teachers and we got some charcoal. How many of you use that match light stuff? Man, is that stuff garbage or what? You know, like that match light, man, you just throw a lighter on it and it's going to flame up and burn your coals. Like it's a lie, false advertisement. Don't go do it, right? So me and Brittany bought it and we're getting ready to cook hamburgers and it's kind of getting crunch time and she is literally, uh, throwing matches on top of this thing over and over. And I thought she was going to say some expletives. She was not happy, right? Because she had it in her mind, this is going to be the charcoal we use. 
And all I could think about, and by the way, she's such a stud. She stuck with it. Anyway, the, the coals lit up, and we, we got everything going, and it was fine. But all I could think was, if I had some lighter fluid, right, it would solve my problem. If I could put some fuel onto this spark, it would ignite something, okay? And so what I want to talk about today is this. I want to talk about the fuel that the church runs on. Hear that again. I want to talk about the fuel that the church runs on, what ignites relationships with God, what ignites the church being who the church is supposed to be. And that fuel is the love of God. Hear that again. The, the fuel that the church runs on is the love of God. All right? That's what makes everything go. What births relationships with God is when people understand how much God loves them and not a matter of how hard we work to earn it, but rather how we respond to how much God already loves us, okay? And that love is the fuel that ignites the church, okay? And so today, uh, I want to tell you here at Connection Church, we must be a place of hope. We must be a place of hope. We must be a place where the love of God is present, it's tangible. It's not a bunch of people sitting across, sitting like this and kind of looking like they, somebody peeing their cornflakes, right? And, and no one wants to be here. You guys get what I'm saying? We must be a place of hope where the love of God isn't talked about, but it's tangibly expressed. It's seen. It's seen from stage. It's seen when we're greeted. It's seen when we sit down. The love of God is a, a, a thing that's here. It's just present, okay? So at Connection Church, we must be a place of hope. Amen? Y'all with me? Sorry, I'm geared up today. All right? I hope you're following. I'm, I hope you're tracking with me. Let's read Luke chapter 11, verse 37. Uh, we'll read a couple verses and, and we'll stop and, and see what God would have to share with us. Luke chapter 11, verse 37. It says this. It says, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him in to eat, to, to, invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. I've got a pause right there. Carly Benton, where are you? My wife, she here? Hey, baby, Jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate. You hear me? I've got back up. All right? She gives me the hardest time. Before we go to bed, before we eat, did you wash your hands? I'm like, no. No. Right? So I, I've loved when Jesus gives me ammunition. Okay. Um, but what you got to see is this. Is this wasn't in here by accident. Okay, this wasn't in here by accident that Jesus didn't wash his hands. I, I got to give you a little context right here. Is before this text, Jesus is preaching all over the place. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. He's driving out demons. He's got this huge following of people that are listening to his teachings. Okay, he's getting this huge following, and this Pharisee, because of this huge following, invites him in. Now, what a Pharisee is, okay, in this context was a religious leader, if you will, a church leader, okay? Someone that studied the law night and day, that knew the laws of God, this extensive bunch of rules to follow, that if you can follow these rules, God will love you, you'll be better, you'll get lifted up. And Pharisees put their hope in how well they knew the law as to how much God loved them, okay? So Pharisees love, love, love to tell people how much they knew about the law. They love to talk about how bad people were because they didn't follow the law. And they really focused on the law, okay? And so when he invites Jesus in, he's thinking, dude, Jesus is going to be a stud. He's going to follow all the laws. He's going to, all these 900 and whatever many laws, I bet he can follow them perfect, right? And so what does Jesus do first thing, right? Because well, he eats with dirty hands, you know, right off the rip. He's making a point that, hey, this is not going to be about the rules. I'm about to teach you something else, okay? So let's pick up verse 38. I'm sorry, verse 39. Then the Lord said, 
So he didn't waste any time. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside of you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Connection Church, hear this. We must allow God to clean us from the inside out. Hear that again. We must allow God to clean us from the inside out. If we're to be a place of hope, the place God uh, wants his church to be, the people God wants his church to be, we must allow God to clean us from the inside out. I'll give you an example. Anybody like that LaCroix? I don't know how you say it. That LaCroix water? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That sparkling water with the cool design on the outside? All right, worst example ever, right? Um, But let me tell you what it is. It's this can, like a Coke can, about this big, and the designs on the outside are cool. Like whoever's marketing that stuff, like they hook me, hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, this can of Coke has got, I mean, this can of water has got to be phenomenal, right? Because the outside looked very clean, very awesome. But the first time I ever did it, and it's kind of acquired taste now, my, my wife's been drinking it, but the first time I put it in my mouth, I was like, this is, this is terrible. I about said something wrong. This is terrible, right? It's awful. Like the outside looked great, but the inside was crummy, man. It was like, it was like soda water, you know? Why would somebody do that to water, you know? So the inside was really rotten and not good, but the outside looked great. Now, I want to tell you guys a good little secret. How many of you know those, uh, those, those Naked brand smoothies? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever seen the green machine? I mean, it looks like vomit in a can. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Phenomenal. Looks horrible. Like, scared to death first time I tried it. But man, when I put those contents in, it was like phenomenal. What was inside of that can was sweet. It was good, okay? So I say that to say this. God looks at us in the same way, Okay? And I want to really share this, is God's not focused on what is going on out here, okay? God's not focused on what man sees. God's not focused on how clean we look here, how clean we walked in, how clean our lives look to the normal eye. See, God looks into our heart. God always has and always will. He starts with our heart. He wants to do a work inside of us so that he can do a work through us. Does that make sense? And that what happens is this, when we're not focused on people's hearts, when we're not focused on the inside, what will happen is people will try desperately to clean up on the outside and feel like that's the ticket to get into church. You guys feel me? That's the church culture. Would you not agree? And y'all, y'all want to get something that gets my heart beating really fast? I'm about to talk about it a little bit, okay? Because our church culture here is not the church culture God wanted. And that I know without a shadow of a doubt. But see, here's the thing. Church has largely become a place of reputation and social status. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? That all of a sudden when you reach this certain status, you you achieve something because you can go to church here, right? Or you can go to church there. Or it becomes a source of pride of, yeah, we go to church with these people. Y'all want to tell you something. When the church is fundamentally a place of pride, social status, and reputation, I promise you what it will be. It'll be absent of hope. You hear me? It'll be absent of hope. And Jesus wanted just the opposite. This would be a place where people can come with their brokenness each and every week. That that people can come with their hurt, their struggles, their worries, their anxieties. They can bring them at the foot of Jesus. And this must be a beacon of hope in this community. Because y'all want to tell you something. If people can't find hope here, where are they going to find it? Amen? We're a beacon of hope to this community. We must be. We have to be. But see, if we're honest... If we're not careful and we're not focused on the hearts of people, we're going to put up those guardrails 
and that this can very easily become a place of, of social status and a clean outside. I want to tell you, I don't, I don't know what you walked in here with, where you've been. I promise you, your sin doesn't scare me because I know where I've been. I know what God saved me from. I know what I still wrestle with, okay? And God knows it too, that in the, in the times of no matter what's going on out here, in the times when you're alone and you're thinking about the inmost desires of your heart, God's there also. God's there also. He knows your heart. And what I want for this place, y'all, I'm just going to tell you, this is long before when God first put on my heart to plant a church here. I just wanted a community where people could come and hear about Jesus. I wanted a community where people could come in the living rooms and eat dinner with people that they love and talk about Jesus. That one of the topics in the workplace, instead of how bad our boss is terrible, right? One of the topics would be Jesus, what Jesus is doing in our life. That he could be normal. He could be a part of our everyday life. That he's not a place where we sit with our legs crossed for an hour, but he's something we take with us everywhere we go. He becomes a topic of discussion. That he becomes very prevalent in our life. Y'all, that's the vision I have. Gospel-centered community sets my heart on fire. You hear me? It sets my heart on fire. But see, for that to happen, we've got to be focused on people, and we've got to be focused on heart transformation, not behavior modification. Hear that again. We've got to be focused on heart transformation, that we preach hope and pray like crazy that God would do what he does, and that's transform sinful hearts, and he transforms the hearts that want to love and follow God. Amen? Because see, here's the thing, and this is my heart for you. I don't want you to come here and try and act Christian. I don't want that for you. You hear me? I want God to start a work in your heart. That's my heart. That's my heart for you. You don't have to clean up the come, but rather come as you are and watch God do a saving work in you and through you. Read with me Luke 11, chapter 42. Let's, I'm chapter 42. Sorry, man. I'm, I'm geared up, y'all. Verse 11, chapter 11, verse 42 and 44. Let's read. So Jesus says we've got to clean up the inside. He doesn't care about the outside, but rather he wants us um, to do a work in us so he can do a work through us. Verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. That's good. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Okay? Basically, what he's saying here is this, is that you give and you do a lot of good things, but you bypass the starting point. You bypass where it all starts. Connection Church, hear this. We must experience God's unconditional love. Hear that again. To be a place of hope, we have to be a place where we have experienced God's unconditional love for us. Okay? Now, some of you, this is going to blow you away. Because some of you, I know right now the place you're in, you walk in and you think you're too far gone for God to meet you. I know that because I've been there. Some of you um, come in in a different place where you're kind of in the middle. Like, I don't know really where I fit in with God. I know I'm trying for the first time. Or I'm trying to, to come and figure this thing out. I, I, I pray I build this out in a way um, that we would see uh, what God's heart is and just how much he loves us and how we respond to his love. You might want to write this down take this with you. Good, luck, good works without love is meaningless. Hear that again. If you sold your house today, you built a hundred orphanage absent of the love of Christ, you're in the same boat as the worst person you know. Okay? Hear that again. Good works absent of the love of God is nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 says this. It says, if you prophesy, if you cast out demons, if you do all this awesome stuff, but you are absent of love, we have nothing. Right? That the love of God is what? It's that fuel. It's that lighter fluid. Okay? It's the gas that got put in Billy's truck when we were scared we were going to die at the gas station. Right? It was the fuel. It was the fuel that ignited this truck to move forward. And so, if I could help you out a little bit, I want to give you two ends of the spectrum, okay? 
First spectrum is this. Some of you have come in here today and you find yourself in this place. You're condemned. You, you, you know you're caught in sin. Maybe you look good out here, but inwardly, you know what you've done. You know you've, you're far from God, that, that sin's here. And what you look at is God is this person that's maybe on the other end of the stage, or maybe he's outside the door, and it's a place where you're like, all right, if I stop doing this, if I stop doing these sins around me, if I start fighting and clawing my way through sin, I'm eventually going to get better enough and work hard enough that I can work my way to God, okay? Now, let me tell you how God's unconditional love works. On your very best day, the day where you, Ricky Bobby, thank you, Pete, excellence, all right? On your very best day, you didn't take one step forward toward God. Hear that again. On your very best day, God says our very best is like filthy rags. You can't work toward a God. You can't work toward an all-loving, all-sovereign God. You can't work it out, okay? And I'm going to show you in a second where this comes from. Now the other end of the spectrum. This is where the Pharisees were. The Pharisees felt they had arrived at God. That their righteousness and their works and their knowledge of the law, that, man, they're, God, they're, they're with God. Like, we've already made it. And what we're doing is preaching at these sinners over here. Hey, if y'all would work harder, you guys could get to where we were. And maybe God would love you one day like he loves me. All right? Y'all ever met some folks like this? Karate chop. Y'all hear me? Anyway. But yeah, that's it. And these are largely the two ends of the spectrum we find. Folks that feel like God could never love them, and folks that feel like they are, they, they're God's, like, they're it. They've arrived. You know what I mean? Both deceivingly wicked. I want to tell you the fuel, the starting point. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Remember I told you the story. We're going to flip around a little bit. I like this Bible, man. It's awesome. It's got a lot of good truth in it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is true for everybody here, by the way. Okay? I want you to sit on that for a second. This text is true for every person sitting in this room. Chapter 4, verse 10. 1 John. It says, this is love. Remember that fuel? The fuel? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This person right here, I want to tell you something. The love of God's right here. You remember that song we sang, Living God Among Us? God's already paved the way for us. Y'all know that, right? Like Jesus doesn't go to the cross over and over again. He went once with your sin in mind. Like the, 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 the way is paved. Like, you've been paid for. You've been bought. All right? And so, think about it actually disrespects Jesus when we try and walk around him and work our way out of sin to get to God. Right? God has already brought his son, sent his son, died on the cross for our sin and shame. And so, we stand right here, and how do we respond to what God has done for us? Right? So, it, it, it changes. The question fundamentally changes. Maybe some of you come in here. It's not whether you can earn God's love. That's not the question, because I'm going to tell you, you can't. You can't take one step forward. Here's the question. How have we responded to God's love? Hear that again. It's not whether we can earn it, but how have we responded to it? If we still sit in this place, are we going to let the love of God change our heart, and are we going to follow that God that loves us? Because we know with the shadow of a doubt in our hearts, he's true. He is who he says he is. He's faithful to save. He's faithful to change my heart. And I may not know what it looks like, but I know that if I trust him, he's going to take care of me. Philippians 1.6 says this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Ladies and gentlemen, just make sure he got started with the work in you. Amen? 
So when we respond to God's love and allow him to transform our heart, whether you're there or maybe you're here and you thought you've had it for a really long time and maybe sinners make you mad, right? They should stop sinning and be more like me. If you hate sinners, you might not like Jesus too much, right? But if you've gotten this place and people frustrate you, here's the deal, man. Maybe God's never started a work in you. Because, see, here's the thing. He wants to take you, and he wants to change your heart, and he wants to start a work in you that starts in your heart. And I want to tell you, when you understand God's love for you, y'all, I grew up in a, in, a, in a home. Two parents took care of me, took, the church, took me to church every week, did all that stuff. It wasn't until, 20, until 21 years old that I realized how powerful the gospel was. Changed my heart, changed my life. I've been following God ever since. It hasn't been something I've been pretending to do. It's something I try and do. Fail miserably, all right? Fail miserably, very often. Still fight sin every day. But God started a work in my heart. And that's what it looks like is this. It's how we respond to his love. And y'all, when we feel him pulling at us and wanting to start uh, something with us, it's like pouring gas on that fire. Because I want to tell you what religion does. Religion's like Billy trying to hammer that gas pedal, and he ain't moving forward none. It's like him stepping on that gas pedal, and nothing's happening, right? Maybe some of you have found yourself, that's been your experience. Or maybe some of you are over here, and you realize that you want this charcoal to get lit up. And all you're doing is throwing these matches on it, and nothing's happening. You don't feel any warmth, any sensation, any, any kind of relationship with God. Here's the thing. Let him change your heart, all right? He's going to throw lighter fluid and start that fire in you and through you. Amen? Let's flip back. Luke chapter 11. And God's good. Luke chapter 11. We're going to read verse 43. Um, and this is a good one, y'all. This is something that, that I have to ask myself consistently. It says, I see some folks flipping. I don't want to leave you out. I'll, I'll give you a second. Um, verse 43, it says, Woe to you Pharisees. Because you love the most important seats in the synagogues, all right? So he's talking to the Pharisees. Remember, the religious elites, people that are absent of the love of God, but full of rules and regulations, okay? People that are absent of the love of God, full of all the laws and regulations. It says um, in verse 43, uh, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Connection Church, we must examine the motivations of our heart. Hear that again. We must examine the motivations of our heart. What fuels us, okay? What gets us going? And I want to tell this story, and some of you are probably going to laugh when I tell you this. I used to play high school football, okay? Don't laugh. I know I'm 5'7". Very well aware. See it every day in the mirror. I tell people all the time, when I get this new body in heaven, I'm going to be six foot, man. I'm telling you. I just know it. God wants to give me the desires of my heart. But anyway, uh, so I was um, a ninth grader at that. I weighed about 108 pounds soaking wet, okay? And we're playing Jeff Davis. I'm a freshman. And I never scored a varsity touchdown. I primarily played defense, got close a couple times. One of those sore subjects I don't like to bring up. But we got it down to the two. I'll never forget it. And I had a couple of good runs. I was about 108 pounds. And, man, I'm playing right wing back. And Coach Stroud, two yards to go, fourth down. He calls. I see Coach Hill smiling because he knows what's about to happen. Uh, he calls 29 bucks sweep. I'll never forget it. And so how 29 bucks sweep goes, I go, I get the ball, and I look. And there I am about two and a half steps from a white stripe. And all I wanted, varsity, freshman, everybody's watching, all I wanted with everything I had, every fiber in my body, I wanted to get across that white stripe. That's what I wanted more than the inmost desires. I wanted it more than anything else in the world, okay? There was just a small, I take it back, a big problem, all right? 
A guy by the name of Matt Wise who played football at Georgia Southern, good friend of mine, middle linebacker, the only good guy they had, okay? And so I pull up, and I'm coming into the hole, and y'all, I'm about uh, like maybe a yard, and so there's this collision, okay? And I start at the one, and then when the whistle blows, I'm on the five, back here, all right? Um, so my dreams are shattered, no touchdown, no score, no anything, okay? Um, dang it, Matt. Uh, but I say that to say this, is it was so clear to me what my goal was, what the motivation of my heart was, was that goalpost right there. So I ask you today, what's the goalpost of your life? What's the inmost motivation of your heart? Because here's the thing, every one of us, we're, our time's going to be done here. Some of us shorter, some of us longer than others. But when that day comes, what do we want to look back and see, right? Because a lot of times we live this life like we're going to get to do it over again, like we're going to get to... Um, Get a redo, right? So I believe we constantly have to ask ourselves, what is the motivation of my heart? What is the thing I desire more than anything else on this earth? What's the thing I desire? What do you want to achieve? Who do you want to be? What do you want people to say at your funeral? What do you want to have here in this earth, right? Because I believe this. If we truly know Jesus, I believe Jesus becomes our goalpost. Hear that again. I believe if we truly know Jesus... I believe Jesus becomes our goalpost. I'm going to read you this story out of Philippians. This will be on the screen if you're tired of flipping around with me. Philippians chapter 3, I want to tell you all about a story about a guy named Paul. I want to tell you about the goalpost of his life. He describes them incredibly well. I want to tell you about the goalpost of his life. This is Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And to tell you this, Paul was a Pharisee before Jesus Christ met him and started a fire in his heart. And guess what he was? He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. In fact, if you'll look up in the text a little before verse 7, he says that nobody was like me. I was the very best Pharisee. He was the Pharisee that all the Pharisees wanted to be. He had everything this world could offer. Pride, social status, control. He had it. He had it all. Now, I want to tell you something. When that fire started in his heart, this is how he talks about it. Verse 7. It says, but whatever were gains to me, this place where the world thought I was awesome, where I had everything I could have wanted, this place, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, have money, pride, possessions, everything, sold it all to become a tent maker to preach the gospel until they killed him, right? He says, I consider it all a loss. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, right? A good works-based God. Uh, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law by doing good works, but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, that Paul recognized the goalpost of his life. He says that I consider it all lost just so that I may know Christ, that I may know the one, the creator, the author of all things, the, the one who created the universe that spoke it into being, and he said, Paul, I love you. Paul, I love you. Right now, as you sit in these seats, I want to tell you something. The God of the universe, every hair on your head, he knows it. Everything you're thinking right now, he knows it. We're not hiding from him. See, I believe this, is that when we come to that knowledge of who God is, that's where he can begin to change a heart. 
That's when he can, that's when he can begin to change a, uh, do a saving work inside of us. And I believe when he changes that work inside of us, Jesus becomes the goalpost of our life. That all of a sudden, in every area, he's first. He's before all things. That's what the church is meant to look like. We're not churchy people, we're Jesus people. Amen? Amen. It's good. Flip back with me to Luke as we get ready to close. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We'll read verses 44 through 46. Um, understand, too, as, as I say that, talking about Jesus' people, understand Jesus is enough for you. I know so many times I struggle with that. If I can be transparent for a minute. Y'all, I've wrestled this week, man. I, I wrestle all the time with whether Jesus is sufficient for me, that his sacrifice was sufficient to save me. And it's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. I want to tell you something. When you come to Christ, he covers you. That's it. Done. Paid for. He's enough for you. This message is available to you and for you. Verse 44 through 46. Jesus is finishing up wearing this Pharisee out. Okay, Verse 44. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. Basically, he's saying, you curse people. You think you're helping people by telling them that what they need to be doing, and you don't love them. He says, you're cursing them. You're actually making it harder to get to God. You're like an unmarked grave that people step on you, and they're unclean. He's calling them out. And in verse 45, finally the Pharisee speaks. He says, one of the experts of the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. But you yourself, and you yourselves, will not lift a finger to help them. Connection Church, we must be a place that lifts burdens off of people. Hear that again. We must be a place that lifts burdens, that we're ready and prepared to meet people where they're at. They're ready to help people where they're at. Okay? To preach and ask them to be honest about where they're at so that God can begin to do a work exactly where people are at. We are not here to cast burdens on people. Church was not meant to be another thing on your plate. See, God designed it that it would transform your plate. That he would do a saving work in you and through you. That it would not be something that you have to, try, you have to check off the check mark. You have to check off the list. If it's ever that, y'all, we've missed it. We've largely missed it. Jesus wants to work with you and through you. He wants to do a saving work in you and he wants to use us no matter if you've just gotten started in your relationship with the Lord or you've been following him for a while God wants to use you exactly where you are and he doesn't want us to place burdens and so today I want to talk a little bit about the burdens I've faced in my life and continue to face maybe today you walked in with the burden of isolation okay you feel alone unredeemable that if people really knew how I felt no one could ever love me they don't know what I've done I'm unredeemable. Surely God can't do anything with me. Right? I've been in that place where everybody thought I was a phenomenal dude on the outside, followed all the rules, but inwardly I knew there was nothing. Zero. Maybe you feel you've been isolated. Maybe today you've come in with the burden of past sins, shame, guilt. You've done some things that maybe a lot of people know about that that's what you think you're defined as, what you've done. Okay? But I want to tell you something. In Jesus Christ, your identity is no longer what you've done. Your identity becomes Jesus Christ. Amen? That he's who you are. And all of a sudden, your past sin and shame becomes trophies of God's grace. That he can do a saving work. And, and it, what it tells people is this. Is that if he can do a work in him, maybe Jesus Christ could do something in me. Amen? It becomes a trophy of his grace. Maybe you come in here today and 
I'm going to speak into my heart. You've got the burden of approval. That really, at the end of the day, what weighs you down is thinking about what others think of you. That if I ever respond to Christ, the first thing you think of is what would people think? Or maybe you've had the burden of I don't have the right house for here. I don't know the right people. Or I'm not getting anywhere in the world. And really, all of your decisions are based or your decisions are based around the approval of other people. And here's the thing: in Christ, God approves of you right now, exactly how you are. He didn't create you to be a show pony for someone else. He created you to know Him, right? He created you to know Him and to be confident in who you are in Christ. I have to speak that over my life consistently. Maybe today you've been burdened with the burden of legalism, that I've got to follow these rules to keep my Jesus status, to keep my church status, right? That if I slip up one time, it's all over. It's done. It's gone. Y'all, I want to tell you something. It's a lie from the pit of hell, all right? You just let Jesus start a work in your heart. Listen to him. Do what he says. Read his word. Let him transform your heart, right? He's enough for you. Maybe today you've come in with the burden of worry and anxiety, that you don't really know what's going to happen when this life's over. Or maybe you don't know how you're going to eat next week. Or maybe you don't know the future. What, what if something happened to my kids? Or, or maybe it's burdens of worry and anxiety, and you've never let that strong rock be your firm footing. Amen? That says no matter what this life comes, Jesus Christ will be enough. That's who he is. Amen? Connection Church, we must be a place that preaches this hope. And we must be a place that lets this hope do a transformative work in us. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these men and women. Thank you for your message, how it speaks to us with truth, boldness, and power. God, I know right now you're working on hearts. I can remember the day when you were pulling at me and you were ready to start a work. Lord, I just pray right now, if anyone knows that they don't have a relationship with Jesus, all right, and today's the day they would like to start that. They would like to respond to the gospel. I'm just going to ask, would you lift your hand? Is that anyone here today? Lift it up high so I can see you. Is that anyone here? Give you just a second. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. And y'all, if God's doing something and he's maybe stirred something in you, um, maybe something you're struggling with, we just ask that you would come and pray. Come forward and pray with us and leave it here at the foot of Jesus. This is a place where it's okay to bring our burdens here. It's okay to not be okay. But we know a God who doesn't want you to stay that way. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the message. I thank you for every person here. Lord, I love them more than they'll ever know. God, I'm so grateful that I get to, to share the word of God and pastor here. Lord, I pray you would continue the work you started here. And God, that you would um, grow us to uh, deepen our knowledge. and. and